With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are about three weeks into the NBA season. Seems like everyone's like 500 right now. At least we had a couple of good ones on Monday night, the 10 p.m. slate. Very, very competitive basketball games, which saw the Sacramento Kings take home a victory over the Pacers, courtesy of a De'Aaron Fox dunk that was just nasty. And then we also had C.J. McCollum putting it on ice with a game winner against the Toronto Raptors, who have now lost six out of eight and blown fourth quarter leads. But this is episode four of Keeping It 94. Spencer Davies, I have a special guest this week. Brian Fritz is out. Just letting you know I'm thinking about you, buddy. Hopefully we get you back next week. Get right back into things. The show will go on, though. And in this week's episode, I had the opportunity to talk to Jared Rudolph, one of my really good buddies that I've met in this NBA world. He works for You First Sports. We had an excellent talk about multiple things, mostly uh, NBA, how they're handling the coronavirus situation, uh, rookies getting opportunities, including those G League rookies and two-way contract guys, and very special stories about Dwight Howard that he has spent time with and had a very special relationship with. So kick back, relax, and enjoy this special edition of Keeping It 94. He is the senior manager of media relations and social strategy for you for sports, the king of basketball jeopardy, and my right-hand man with Jack and Cokes at the NBA parties. Jared Rudolph, what is up, my man? And sir, how you feeling, brother? I'm I'm feeling good, man. You know, NBA basketball's back. We've 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 had some rough patches here in the last week, uh, just as far as the virus goes and as far as just society in general. Uh, but we are here to talk about some some things going around the NBA. Uh, I did want to ask you about some of the things that happened in your basketball experience along the way. Uh, but I'm just glad that you're you're here. You're helping me out here uh, just uh, to come on to my podcast, and I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you having me, Spencer. Try not to give me five. <laughs> I'm going to try. I'm going to try to avoid everything possible that could get you into trouble. Uh, before we get started, I do want to say that we are a part of the Basketball News Podcast Network. We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. So make sure to check us out. Leave us a rating, subscribe, leave a comment, do what you can uh, to help us out. And be sure to visit basketballnews.com. All right, Jared, first thing I wanted to start off before we got into, into your personal experience stuff. The league right now, uh, there's like a lot of teams hovering around 500. <laughs> In in your j- just you've been around the league for a long time. I just want to kind of gauge your opinion on where these guys are at physically. Uh, obviously, we had a condensed off season, no summer league, uh, very short preseason, a quick turnaround. So I just kind of wanted to get your opinion in general on on the product that's being put out there right now. Obviously, a lot of people are talking about blowouts. A lot of people uh, are, are kind of confused on where their team is at. Cause one day they could be doing the blowing out and the next they could be getting blown out. Uh, so just, uh, your thoughts on that. Well, I, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's different. Uh, you know, you, you have to kind of gauge what you're seeing, understanding that, you know, we're in times that you know, we've never seen before. So the conditioning, the skill level, the strategy, um, how a team is able to process everything going on, you know, it, it's going to be different. And, you know, you have your highs and your lows as, as they've seen, as you've seen now, I think that everything will level out, you know, as guys get more comfortable with each other in the circumstances and learn how to individually cope within the circumstances. Because look, you know, the blowouts, those things happen. I mean, you don't want to see teams losing by 50, but I think that's more so about basketball principle, the lack thereof, than it is about, 
managing a, a pandemic. But I, I think, you know, like anything like a preseason or early in the season, you'll see teams ease into a more comfortable, comfortable spot. And, you know, I think the quality of the product consistently will, will improve, but it's just going to take some time. You know, like the NBA doesn't live within a bubble. You know, guys are back in the real world now. And, and, you know, you have to manage it differently. You have to manage it better. Some teams are just starting back getting played, but they've been off since March, right? So, you know, that's the longest offseason one could could possibly imagine. Other teams just got out of the bubble and they're turning right around. So you got to expect some bumps in a row. We're in imperfect times. So the product is going to be imperfect and the basketball is going to be imperfect, but it'll, it'll figure itself out. It always does. You mentioned the bubble, and that's something that I kind of wanted to address. I see a lot of people on social media saying they should have gone and done another bubble or perhaps regional bubbles. Uh, the way that the NBA handled this and did say, boom, quick turnaround, we're going to start right before Christmas after the NBA finals ended in October. That right there, how do you think that that uh, you know, got put together so quickly? And I mean, obviously, they want to, you know, get the revenue, but they also wanted to get the season back on track so that it didn't affect seasons after that. So the, the handling of that situation, uh, what's your opinion on, on how they did that? And uh, again, you, you mentioned there's some teams, there was the delete eight, they called them that didn't make the bubble, but then some other teams, they ended like just a couple months ago. So just the way that the, the, the league put it together, uh, I, I want to, kind of get your thoughts on that too well look it's not a secret that you know i think the nba is the best league in in the world um you know i think they do an incredible job in given what they you know what's out there for them and again you know we're in an imperfect situation so they're trying to figure out a way like you said to maintain the product and you know and adjust to what the circumstances will allow them to do and i think they've they've done a you know as good a job as one could ask for but you know, this virus in the fight, like this is outside the league's league scope of expertise and control. So they're trying to work within these things and navigate them. And, and you know, you learn more as you go along what works and what doesn't. I mean, you know, putting regional bubbles and, you know, putting guys in the bubble for, you know, 70 plus game, that ain't going to work. It's, you know, these guys are still humans and they have families and they have emotions and that bubble life isn't, you know, it's not easy. Um, regardless of how much one is getting paid, you know, to be confined that way, it, it's, it's tough. So, you know, again, they're doing the best they can. They're going to be potholes and you're going to have to adjust and move and pivot. And, you know, I think that they are doing on a day-to-day basis as much as they can to get as much information that they, they can um, to be as best prepared to deal with the dips and, and you know, the potholes as they can. Uh, you would hope that with vaccines and, you know, um, timing to learn more about what works and what doesn't, they'll be able to, you know, put something together where they can get to the finish line. But, um, you know, you, you just, you have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to pivot. You know, you got to be able to, to change on the fly. And I think they're doing as best a job as they can. And, you know, I think the players are doing as best a job that they can, but, you know, life happens sometimes. And when you're in this, you know, these, these days and times, life is going to happen. And, you know, sometimes you, you don't even know it, right. You know, one day you're feeling good, next day you can get the virus. You're next to someone that gets the virus and different protocols and cancel games and postpone games. And it's kind of the times that we're living in. And you brought up the the, the players and, and having to be near family and near friends. I think that's another thing that kind of goes, you know, unnoticed by a lot of, you know, the people that are demanding these things is the players also agreed to this. It's not like the NBPA didn't approve of it, you know, like, so it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to manage. And, and it's like Sham Strani of the athletics said the league expected January to be tough because of the holidays and folks going and traveling to see their families, hanging out for whatever holidays, new year's, whatever it may be. So, and, and that not even just that, but also the cities uh, that have people traveling in and out and, you know, they're traveling in airports and all that stuff. And you're contacting a bunch of different people. Uh, but you know, hopefully this is so similar to me when I look at it of how the the NFL and the NBA started in there. You know, it looked like it was scot-free clean in the first week or two. And then, boom, it, they got hit. I feel like the NBA is doing the same thing. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult because the games are fewer and far in between. You know, like th- there's a lot more games. There's probably a lot more travel. 
um, which is why they've kind of, you know, made the schedule the way it is. There's, you know, sometimes there's two games in the same place uh, on a road trip or, you know, they've got teams rotating uh, in a way that they're not going to be spreading the virus as much because they're limiting as much contact with different outsources as possible. So that right there, I think, is is the most important part of it, uh, is that there's an actual effort. Uh, I asked uh, J.B. Bickerstaff a couple of days ago about how the league was handling it, and he was he was optimistic. He's like, you know, there's going to be cases there. You, it's literally unavoidable. It's unavoidable in society right now. Uh, but it, it's it's the way that the league has handled it, the way that they're taking it seriously. They're making stricter protocols. You get you see guys wearing masks on the bench, even though they were just in the game. Uh, you see coaches wearing masks everywhere. So it's it, they're definitely not, you know, letting this pass by. They're not ignoring the situation. Uh, seeing how teams handle it is interesting, though. Uh, there was a instance over the weekend where there was the Sixers and Nuggets. They had eight active players. One of them was was ruled active, but really wasn't active. So they had seven players in Doc Rivers rotation for the Sixers, uh, which made for an interesting game. At least Tyrese Maxey, you know, got his 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 thing, got 39 points most since uh, 1970 for a rookie. Uh, you know, some good things came out of it. But it's it's so difficult to kind of put your hand on where this is going to go just because it's such an unknown entity. Yeah, all and, of it is all yes. of it is, is, is different. Rich. You know, like, I mean, when we go outside and you go to the grocery store, you, you do go out to have dinner, you know, nothing is the same. And everyone has been forced to adjust. I think where the NBA benefits and, and where most businesses are benefiting from is, is, you know, the acknowledgement that it is a problem. Um, you, you know, you're, you're not bigger than the problem. And there are going to have to be some things that, that are going to have to be done and certain things will work, other things will not, but you have an understanding that you have to monitor it on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute situation. So, you know, could be worse. You could have, you know, most of the games canceled. At this point, most of them are being played. Um, and you can get to a point where you're having a discussion about quality of product. That's not a bad thing. That's a win in all of this, right? If the biggest issue that the league is having is that teams are getting blown up by 50 points, but the game games are being played, see, you can fix that because guys are professional basketball players and they can play professional basketball, but the games are being played. So within that, you know, you just have to make sure that you're cognizant of everything going on and you make you know changes as as needed. And you know, if not the NBA, then who? Uh, you know, I think they're by far the, the best league, sports league in the world, uh, especially here. Um, so they'll get it done. They'll have their growing pains. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you're going through a rough patch to get to some open road where you can really let, you know, open it up and, and see what happens. But, I mean, you have to trust that the league is, one, going to do the right thing um, by their players and, and their partners. Uh, and, two, do the smart thing, right? And, you know, so long as as that's the focus, if there's an honest effort to do the right things and, and to be smart about the way you're doing it, then I think they'll be fine. Uh, and, but it's going you know, to be a challenge. It, 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 you know, there are going to be some hurdles along the way. And that's why you have a second half of the season. If you do postpone games, you can move them back. You can find ways to kind of configure the thing. And, and that's why I was surprised that they didn't postpone some of those games over the weekend. They just went through and kind of bowled through, uh, as we've seen. Uh, I believe it's a, uh, a Heat Celtics game uh, tonight. We're recording on a Tuesday afternoon that has been postponed uh, because there have, there's not enough active potential bodies for the Miami Heat. Uh, but, but going back to that, I, I did want to ask you, uh, in your conversations with the players, where is their level of optimism or pessimism uh, as far as the season goes? I think they get it. They, they understand and everyone is open. For the most part, the guys I told you, they're hoping that it gets done. But you know, they get it. They understand. Like, you know, these are not, you know, normal time. No one's seen this before, um, at least not in, you know, in our generation. No one has seen anything like this. So there's an understanding. Guys are smart. They, you know, they understand that, you know, there, there's so many moving parts in this thing, but a lot of it is, is personal responsibility. You got to make sure that you, you know, that your safety zoning your space and, you know, you know, following the protocols and doing it. It's a team effort. 
And guys know that no one wants to lose money. I mean, this is still a business. Guys are commodities. The league is a, is a money-making machine. They have partners that they, you know, so everyone gets it. Like, it's, it's not a secret of, of what this is. And, and yeah, from a, from a fan's perspective, it's good to see a game and get your mind off of everything. But but it's a business, no different than, you know, jobs. And, you know, like, you know, restaurants are closing down. They have to, you know, reimagine the way that they do business, right? So the, the league, again, the league doesn't live in a bubble where, you know, the circumstances of the world are going to be lost on them. They're going to have to, just like everyone else, and players are employees and they get it. They totally understand it. You know, for the most part, guys have done a, a good job of making sure that they're available. And, you know, things happen. And, you know, you have to be careful. No one's going to play with the health. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I don't see how anyone can look at, at the league and, and, and complain or, or see it as anything other than an, an effort. And when they do get hit, they get hit. Like the NFL got hit. You know, college has been hit. You know, you're going to have bumps in the road if you're trying to, you know, get something done because no one is in control of the virus. And, you know, you certainly you have the league is made up of a lot of different minds, but not a whole lot of scientists, you know, so they have to listen to the information that's being presented and, you know, and, and use that information and then figure out what's the best way to approach things. So, I mean, guys have done a good job, but, you know, guys want to play. Guys want to, you know, they want to make their money. They want to, you know, be in the league. It's what they work their whole life for. So they're going to do what they need. to do. Everything will work out. I mean, at least I think so. I think that the glass is, is half full, not half empty. And, you know, once you can get this stuff out of control, especially if you can make it through this, it'll be fine. And last thing I want to touch on uh, here with the, the virus and how it's running rampant. Uh, solutions. Uh, I did see some people suggest adding a couple of roster spots, maybe, uh, you know, two extra two-way players, potentially, uh, if that is is a potential, you know, a way to, to kind of have extra bodies. At, at the very end of the day, uh, do you think that that's something that that could be looked into, or is that just speculation? I think they. I think that you should do anything that you can to make sure that you have available bodies to, um, to play the game. Now, how does that work, right? Are these guys put on the everyday roster and they're there? You know, is it you know a call up type of thing? Because again, it's about proximity. I mean, I'm no scientist, but I I can guess that it's about proximity and making sure that. You know, whoever's on your team can, you know, come and get tested on a day to day basis and you make sure that they're good, you know, different than the, the call up system when, you know, so I think roster spots work. But, you know, how does that look? And, you know, from a financial standpoint, how does that look? And, you know, uh, it, it's easy to play Monday, Monday morning quarterback. And so, oh, they should just add three spots. OK, well, add three spots. Now, what what are the ramifications of adding three spots? Like, how does that affect every individual? How does that affect the bottom line? And, and is, is it something that can even be done? So, yeah, you got you got to have conversations. And again, when you're talking about the NBA, I, I really would imagine that whatever common sense options are out there, they've discussed. And, you know, you weigh the pros and the cons and maybe it's something that they do as deemed necessary, but, you know, it's not just about adding the roster spot because guys aren't playing free. So, you know, people just have to trust the league to do what's right and do what's smart. And, you know, I know I, in my time being around them, they haven't really gone wrong yet. I don't expect them to go wrong now. That's fair. That's fair. And they usually have the G League for these types of situations, but, like, they need extra bodies, too, and in, in for that purpose. And, and and I'm wondering how that's going to work because the G League just started their bubble down in Florida and there's 18 teams down there, 17 actual G League teams. And then the newest G League team, the G League Ignite, who has all the the prospects, uh, the top prospects for the draft next year. So I'm, I'm truly interested to see how they handle the situation, especially if if the league continues to just, you know, stricten these protocols and guys continue to not be able to play. Uh, but that's it. That's enough on on uh, coronavirus talk here. I think that we can, you know, kind of transition into the the season itself. Um, I, I think that the product has gotten better as the year has gone along. I think we we talked about the blowouts earlier, and yeah, they're still happening. Um, but I feel like we ha we're, we're starting to get you know guys are starting to get into shape, and guys are starting to get to themselves, especially the superstar type of guys. Uh, the ones that, you know, came into camp, admittedly, you know, not in the best shape um, that, that are making a difference, like Luka Doncic, for example, 
Um, he won uh, player of the week last week. Uh, he had a really rough start. And uh, th- that right there just kind of tells you how little preparation and little time just kind of doesn't work out for, for certain people. Um, I am also interested uh, to get your opinion on this. Uh, the rookies, that right there, that that's, you don't come into a league full of men, professionals that have been playing this game for years without having an adjustment period. Not having summer league, not being able to, to play that many preseason games. Some of these guys getting thrown into the fire because of the virus. Some of these rookies, two-way rookies uh, on the, the G League uh, NBA deals. Like that right there, you're, you're getting tossed right in. I mean, I'm, I'm covering it right now in Cleveland here. I'm seeing uh, guys like Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade playing 15 to 20 minutes a night. I, I just saw Memphis last night. Uh, Xavier Tillman, another two-way guy playing 18 minutes. Uh, the, these types of rookies that are getting thrown into the fire and that experience, they can gain a lot from it, but damn, it's going to take a minute for them to settle in with these guys and, and really see in front of them that, oh, wow, this is LeBron James. This is Y Leonard. Like though, those are like crazy moments for those types of rookies. And I, I don't know how quickly you can actually immerse yourself in the NBA landscape. That's what you're here for. That's what you've been working for. I mean, look, when you talk about, you know, like two-way guys looking for an opportunity to to convert and, you know, getting minutes and having an opportunity to show that you're able to play at this level so there's no no need for the G League, then you better show up and play. I mean, look, at the end of the day, you know, it it still is what it is. Now, it's it's basketball. If If your number's called and you get on the dance floor, dance. If you don't, then that's on you, all right? So opportunity presents itself in a lot of different ways. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's non-traditional. So, you know, for a rookie, a two-way guy, you know, maybe a guy that wouldn't necessarily be in the league if everything was was normal and there was no pandemic, is now getting an opportunity to play six, seven games, 20 minutes a pocket, better perform, right? Take that opportunity non-traditional opportunity and make it into something that that's your job, right? Your job as a player is to go out there and play, right? So if opportunities are presenting themselves, you capitalize on the opportunity, you make it happen. You do something. I mean, it it, it is what it is. They're professional basketball players, the best 450 guys in the world. So you get on that floor and you show that you belong amongst that group and you find a way to stick. That's, that's the job. That's the goal is to maximize your potential, maximize your financial potential, maximize your athletic potential. That's the goal. It, it will never change. No pandemic. No. It never changes. That's the goal. The goal is to maximize your potential, to be the very best you can, to get paid the highest amount of money you can for what it is that you do. So that G League guy, play. Don't tell me. Play. I don't want to hear that you didn't have to play. Because here's your shot. And if you capitalize on it, you're going to have a different pathway to get into the goals that you set for yourself for the rest of your life. Because at some point, hopefully this thing goes away. And if you're out there and you were hooping, now you're on the roster. Now you, you know, you got, maybe it's not 20 minutes anymore. Maybe it's a good 15, 10, but you're there. You're on the roster. Okay. You're in the building. Stay in the building. It's not about getting to the league. It's about staying in the league. So and we've seen elite, and right? we've seen plenty of those like success stories too from 10-day guys who have you know kind of played their way into rest of season contracts and then that turns into a three-year deal or you know those two-way contracts getting converted into a normal contract like so so you're right if they take advantage of those opportunities while this situation is is very you know negative for a lot of reasons you could turn that into a positive when you get that chance to get on the floor and show that you can defend LeBron James for like two possessions, like, you know, like you can, you can, you know, rack up six assists or whatever it may be. Like these are the chances that you might not get in any other season, especially with someone in your particular position. So that that's actually a really good way to look at it. 
is, I mean, you've been, you've been given this, this chance here just because, you know, the guys are down. So you, you got to step up and you got to make it happen. <laughs> like yeah, you got a shot. I mean, every, everyone wants, I mean, if you, if you've ever spoken to a frustrated G league player, I mean, you know, for them, it's about the opportunity. You know, I'll, give me a shot. You give me a shot. I'll show you that I can do it. You know, I'll show you that I belong there. Okay. Well, here's your shot. That's what you wanted. Here's your shot. And it's not to poo-poo, um, you know, anyone's personal experience or, or, or to say that, you know, things aren't rough and they haven't been hard. It hasn't been different. No, not at all. Not at all. Like, it, it, it's tough. It's hard. It's been different. But most of these guys come from tough and hard in different circumstances. So it's all hat. Different, different specific. All hat. This is what you wanted. This is what you work for. Here's the shot. What are you going to do with it? Because it's your shot. The end of the day, once you get in that arena, pass the test, fans, no fans, you know, it's basketball, right? It's, it's, it's still basketball. So the ball goes up. And this is supposed to be the easiest part of it. All the other stuff they have to deal with, that's tough. But the basketball aspect of it, you know, in, in, in terms of training, like, that's the easy part because these guys are so gifted and, and they're, they're such great players, right? All of them. If, you, if you're in the league, 450 guys, you can play. You know, everyone's not LeBron, but I can take any NBA guy to the park and run all day. Everyone can play. Now, you you know, now you just got to capitalize. You got to take advantage of the opportunity, you know, and, and you got to play. You got to play hard. You got to work. You got to, you know, show the coaches that, you know, there's a hunger and there's an aptitude and there's an ability. It's got to hoop. It's, it's, it's still basketball. Once you get out there, it's hooping, man. No one should be losing my 50 points, especially guys that want to shot the stick. Please. You got to be diving on the floor, you know, doing everything you possibly do. Hey, we lost by 50, but. I was out there, and not about points of scoring. I was out there playing. I was out there. I was all over the place showing that I wanted this, right? You don't – the last thing you want to be in this day and time is a guy that gets the shot. You're playing more minutes than you generally play in your life. And then everything gets back to normal, and you have not capitalized on that opportunity. And now you're figuring out how to get back, how to recreate that to be able to capitalize on it. That is the worst it's like a middle of the road team because getting back is is in some ways harder than getting there to begin with. The climb is a lot harder than the fall. <laughs> that's that's what it is, man. I mean, you can't. What is what's the saying? You can't walk uphill, but you can fall real quickly. You can t- you can tumble. Like you you can't let that go, especially in times like this. And and you, you're completely right on that. Uh, I, I I did want to transition into you you though now you, you're going from co-host to guest so you're, you're both this week you're both this week okay. all right so let's talk about your basketball journey um I, I guess we can start by saying that you actually started on this side you started with us yeah 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 i did so yeah. so so go ahead and detail how you got to the other side well i'll, I'll give you the condensed version of because I can go all day. But uh, 2013, I developed a relationship with uh, a high-profile player. Um, at the time, my journalism career was ascending. And, uh, you know, we, we just had a, a, a pretty pretty good, solid relationship. And I was asked to, to come on board. And um, I was a little frustrated at the time, back in 2013, because, you know, the type of stuff I was doing, uh, you know, coming from where I was coming from, I, I thought that there should have been more, you know, more offers. And I had an agent at the time and, you know, they were telling me they were coming, just just be patient. Um, but ultimately, I decided to to walk away and go work with, with the player. Um, I figured if it didn't work, what I had done with the combination of working with the player and being behind the scenes and kind of seeing it would give me a different insight if I ever wanted to return back to journalism. Unfortunately, that was not 
the case. Uh, but I, I went on and, you know, we had varying levels of success the first run. Um, found out I was having a, a baby boy. Um, felt like that situation wasn't stable enough to, to bring a kid in the world, especially in Houston, Texas. I didn't know anybody in Houston. I, I didn't love Houston. And, you know, I didn't want my wife and I to be in Houston with, with a new baby boy, not knowing anybody, it'd be miserable. And then end up getting in a situation where if it doesn't work out with what I'm doing, now I have to kind of rebuild and start over in a place that I don't know. So I left, um, came back, you know, got away from basketball for a while, wanted to kind of reset, went back to school, ended up getting a master's degree. Uh, and, you know, found my way back to a player or that player uh, didn't work out for different reasons this time. But in the, the midst of that, I, you know, ended up hiring an agency that was impressed with the manner in which uh, I handled things. And um, at the time, the agent, Andy Miller, offered me a job, which you know, I accepted. Uh, so for me, it was always the, the struggle or, or the challenge was how do I take the, the journalism and combine it into what I did with player services? And I felt like public relations and uh, community relations was kind of the best way to do it. So that's where I focused my graduate studies is, was in public relations. And uh, I, I've been with uh, ASM, which is U First Sports, for almost four years now. And, you know, we, we've had some success. Uh, you know, this side of the, this side of the industry is different um, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm player services, when I was a journalism, when I was in journalism and, and when I was ascending, I was a talent. Um, and it's it's easier to kind of negotiate for yourself and kind of fight for yourself when, when you're the talent. Uh, there are a lot of different, uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes into doing what we do on a day-to-day basis, but I think it's cool. Um, it, it keeps me in the building. Uh, it, it keeps, you know, it allows me to use the skills and the relationships I developed on the way up. Uh, and it pays the bill. So that's that's kind of the, the condensed version. You know, I most people that know me know the players, Dwight Howard. And that's my guy. And, uh, you know, yeah, that's 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 kind of uh, the condensed version. You know, it's, a, now it's a whole lot of stuff in between that and, and detail. I'm sure there is. <laughs> I'm sure there is, man. But that's, you know, that's kind of the, the timeline, you know, short okay. version. That can be a bit loquacious. I, I apologize. Yeah, 2013, uh, Dwight offered me a job made a decision to, you know, kind of step away, go with him. Didn't work out. Uh, you know, we've gone through that a few different cycles. And, uh, you know, here I am. Can, can you describe or give any Dwight stories for us that are appropriate? <laughs> that, that, yeah, I, okay. I mean, yeah um, Dwight, it's, it's rare, like, you know, and we we talk about it. I, I'm so thankful, you know, even through the, the, the ups and downs that our lives intersected because it, it's changed my life. And I mean, man, he he was he was really something. Uh in, in 2013, you know, you're talking about a different, a different animal. I'm not talking about playing, I'm just talking about his presence. Um and you know, people still gravitate to him in, in such an aggressive way. Like, well, we were in, it was summer 2014. We were in Santa Barbara. Dwight was working at Peachtree. And, um, you know, he had been in Houston, just finished his first year in Houston. It was all this crap about L.A. People didn't like him in L.A. and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, he and I, we had this thing for Vince's T-shirts. Well, you know, it, it died off afterwards. I don't think he wears them anymore. I know I don't. But I found a shop on, I want to say State Street, that had just the crazy options for the, uh, the Vince's T-shirts. So I call him. My like, Debo, you got to come down here. I found the T-shirt spot. It's crazy. He's like, I'm on my way. So he comes down by himself, no security guard, nothing like that. And we sit there and we shop. So word starts to get out that, you know, Dwight is on State Street. So he was just having a really good day. We had a great workout. Weather was beautiful. We didn't have anything to do. And he was like, yo, let's walk around. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, you know, walk around. If you're good with it, I'm good with it. He was like, no, I'm fine with it. So we walk around and people see him. And now that, you know, that they're, they're coming up to him, 
can hey, can we take a picture? Can we talk to you? Now, remember, we in California. Santa Barbara's like an hour outside of L.A. And I would say, no exaggeration, probably about, I'll say between 175 to 250 people approached Dwight um, as we were on that, that strip walking. And he took a picture with every single one of them. He never said no. And when you're at that level, it's so rare to find someone that's so comfortable within themselves, but was so appreciative and, you know, and open to people to do that. They, they weren't bothering him. You know, it was like, look, we, you know, we're trying to get to the, to the Macy's or some store and it should take us five minutes, but maybe it takes us an hour because so many people want to come and interact with you. And he always appreciated and the way he accommodated the people around him and, and the fans. That's something I, I always will admire about him because it has to be hard. And I've seen a lot of people not only say no, but they're, they're so nasty about it. Not understanding that one of these people that are approaching you could have some backstory that involves you being some type of motiv motivating factor, you getting them through a tough time. And then they finally get to that point where they get that rare opportunity to see you and you blow them off or you're nasty to them or, and it just changes their whole world. And he was always, and he still is always cognizant of that, of who this person might be or what they might be going through when they approach him. And he does his best to always accommodate. And I thought that, I thought that was very cool. And just the ironic thing is he had a Superman shirt on that day. And I'm like, yo, it's, it's crazy. That, you know, so many people wear the Superman shirt, but with you, it means something different because of the dunk and because of the career and just look at how they love you. Now, they'll tell you that they don't. Right. But but look at how they love. You. And it just it, it, it just it was just different. And um, it was very cool. I, I, I'll give you another one. This this wasn't so good. This is a funny story. So. um. Before free agency 2003, I hope he doesn't get mad at me for telling you this quote. This, this is crazy. So um, before free agency 2013, we were going to have dinner. And, um, you know, it was a big dinner. So, you know, we're dressed. You know, he's better dressed than I am. But, you know, feeling good. He pulls out the Ferrari. Oh, beautiful car. White, red interior. Beautiful. So we drive down the street from his house. And at this point, a lot of news is out there that the Lake, he might lead the Lakers and people are pissed. So we get to a gas station and um, we go to fill up the Ferrari with gas. So first I go get a guy the money. Like, you know, we fill it up over here. Pump don't work. Like, that's weird. Pump's not working. No gas is coming up. So then he goes in, tries again. Spencer, we were at like, I want to say had maybe four different gas fill up stations or whatever you want to call them. Pumps, four different pumps. Okay. Move that damn car to every pump two, three times. We were at that gas station for about an hour. The idiot wouldn't turn on the gas. <laughs> like, it got to the point where, where Dwight and I, we were like, yo, does the Ferrari not take gas? Like, what's going on? Like, what are we, like, yo, this, I, I know I gave him the money. And, and see, we had, to, we had to do this because it wasn't even gas in the Ferrari. So we didn't know we was going to make it to the meeting without breaking down in the middle of the street in a Ferrari, which would have been a terrible look. So we're trying to get this damn car. And this guy must have been looking at us like, look at these idiots. So as we're doing this, other people are coming in and pumping gas and leaving. And we're talking like, hey, is, is the pump working for you? They're like, yeah. Like, oh, that, by the way, that's the how. I'm like, yeah, but we're trying to get some gas. Like, is it working for you? I was like, yeah, it's just filled up, no problem. I'm like, all right, right, let's pull it over here right after him and, and let's go ahead and, and nothing. As soon as we would pull up to a pump, that moron was turning the damn gas off. He had us looking like a, a two fools out there that day. Finally, we were like, let's get the hell out of here. We made it to another gas station. But it was just the way that this guy had us ripping and running to try to put gas in, in that Ferrari. And we, I mean, we went through the, the a laundry list of reasons why we couldn't fill up with gas. I mean, and it did get to the point, and I think I said it to him like, yo, maybe, maybe the Ferrari doesn't take the gas. Maybe it just doesn't. Maybe there's something going on with the nozzle and maybe it don't mix. I don't know. I, I know that we've been to this pump before and it's not pumping the gas. Yeah, it was, you know, and I'm sure that clown had a, a real good laugh at our experience. He, you know, he's just flipping the switch inside. Just 
Yeah, no, nope. he kept the no, like no lie. He kept we we were there for we were there for no exaggeration, a good 45 minutes to an hour. Like and we kept pulling come people kept coming in, they're getting gas and they're leaving, like, yo, what's going on? Like, why can't like money? Like, I just gave you the bill. Can can we fill up on, on pump one? He's like, Yeah, go ahead. We go in there, we go to pump one and nothing. Like, yo, what is going on here? Go to pump two, nothing. Somebody comes in, they pull up pump one, they fill up, they leave. Like, yo, what the <laughs> hell is going on? Like, this dude was, was like, bitter. Yo. Oh my yeah, god. Like, yo, are you playing a joke on me? I'm like, I'm out here just like you. He's got me looking just as dumb as you. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> and I was looking forward to that, like, because I hadn't been in the Ferrari. So, like, yeah, hey, I am pulling a Ferrari out tonight. And we would, like, most of the time in the Ferrari, we spent at that damn gas station. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. Yeah. That oh, was my scary. Lord. <laughs> I was say I can't imagine how many how many adventures you guys had, but I did want to I did want to ask you um the the ring. So I saw on your social media that you got the Laker ring. So one, uh, as somebody as close to him as you are and were, what did it mean for you to see him win a title with the Lakers? And two, for him to gift you such a you know such a such a thing like this ring, like. Just the, the the personal value of that. I'll, I'll try to get through this part without getting emotional. Seeing him win meant everything. Meant absolutely everything. I, I it's still, you know, I, I just remember. I knew they were going to win. They, I think they went up three three one, and it was like uh, the game was on a Saturday. Game five was on a Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. I, you know, uh, but I, you know, Friday night I just driving, I couldn't stop crying. Like. I've been there with this guy when it wasn't great. And, you know, there were opportunities that we thought would be there that, that just weren't. And, you know, you see the way people flip on them and, and you know, it, you know, it, it's terrible. You know, you don't have to like somebody, you know, you can disagree with the decisions they make, but to, to the, the truest thing about the guy and most guys in the NBA is that they can play and Dwight Howard can play. Like we can play. He's one of the best basketball players in the world. He's the best defensive player of his era. He's the best rebounder of his era. That that's nothing to sneeze at. Dwight's a bad boy. Um, but you go through this stuff, and you know you're, you're fighting against time. And sometimes you think to yourself, well, maybe he ain't gonna get there. You know, maybe it's not gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you know what? What do you tell him? Because there's certain guys who want it. I mean, they want it. And those guys typically reign at the top. You know, when you look at a guy like a LeBron, a KD, Steph, um, the cream of the crop, they want it. They're different. Their mentality is different. They want it. They want the ball. They want the shot. They want the responsibility. That was Dwight. He wanted it. He wanted it so bad. And he was so close in Orlando. And he just wanted it. And, and just, they got to the finals and things just started to, to go in a different direction. You know, you were finals, conference finals, home court advantage, eliminated in the first round. It, it, and no one, like, no one could see that coming. You thought, you know, you're going to compete. And then, you know, team after team and, you know, things are, are spiraling. And, it's, it, you know, it's hard to get a grip. And you think to yourself, damn, like, maybe this ain't, you know, Maybe the, the 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 silver lining is being in the league and starting and, you know, and, you know, you don't want to put that out there to him because he's still living. It's his legacy. So you, you try to be encouraging. And then the opportunity comes and he makes the most of the opportunity. And it was an opportunity that where, you know, you know, you look at it, a non-guaranteed deal, you know, and, and you know, it's zero tolerance or whatever. And, you know, the journey is now him and him. Like, you know, you got to be everything that they're saying that you're not. You got to do everything that they're saying that you won't do. You got to resist temptation. You know, like you have to humble yourself. And he did it. He did it. And, you know, when you get the opportunity, again, he got the opportunity. We're talking about a guy that was the starting center on the world championship team. He took that thing and ran. He absolutely gave Jokic fits. I mean, it was brilliant, but that's who he is. And when he got the opportunity to remind everyone that's who he is, he shined. So to see him triumph when, you know, I was there in, in 2009 and, and so many other 
um, spots, and, and which is why I told him, I don't think about the triumph. I think about the times when it didn't work out and we had to have those conversations about it not working and what's next. And just that, that fear of, of, you know, of watching the opportunity slip away and not being able to maximize on it. For him to take that and, and block that out and focus in on the task and, and to find this piece, that was big. Um, for somebody that you know, I have great respect for, and you know, and a lot of love for. He's that's my brother. He's my big little brother. To see him, that that meant the world to me, and it means the world to me because he earned it. And I don't care what you know. You got people out there hating or whatever. I don't give a, you know. I, I don't know if I can cuss on this thing, but I, I couldn't give a shit what they say about him. He earned that. He earned it. Every every minute, every rebound, every block, every foul, he earned it. That is his. He is a part of that team. For better or worse, they don't do it without him. He doesn't do it without them. That's the way it's supposed to be. So to see that, it meant the world to me. In terms of him gifting me, you know, not just a ring, but that ring, right? Because he didn't go to a sports memorabilia shop and say, hey, man, give me that ring. He won't be able to tell the difference. Um, as told to me, it was a priority for him to make sure that I received a certain type of ring. To receive acknowledgement. Um, for who you are, what you've done, um, the, the journey, and everything in between. Uh, for someone to, to think of you in that regard to where they reach this, this pinnacle and they want to share it with you and they're saying to you that they understand the part that you played in getting there. They understand the sacrifice that you made in them getting there. And they appreciate you. It's better than money. It's better than flying on private planes. It's it's it's, it's different, man. It's it's different because I have that. Like I pass that on to my son. It has my name on it. Like you know. And sometimes, it you know anybody that deals with athletes, you know across the board, you just don't know because time is not something that's readily expected. Uh, respected. Like you, people, high profile individuals, they have so many different people knocking down their door to just be in their present and be in their orbit. And, and you know, and, and to do that, you have a lot of people that do some really shady, evil, nonsensical things. And the reason that they do it is because it works. Um, and to fight through all of that stuff with this guy and for him to be like, man, I reached this pinnacle. No one can ever take it away from me. And you're going to be one of the people I share it with. That, that to me, it, it speaks to all, you know, it's easy to talk about the, the, you know, the great points of my relationship with Dwight, but it speaks to the bad ones. And for me, for him to give me that ring, what it meant is he sees me, he acknowledges me, he appreciates my contribution to his story. And, you know, that's all somebody can ask for, because, you know, my story is, is, is wrapped up in a lot of a lot of his, you know, and again, that intersection, which I will always be grateful for. I don't know why it happened. God has reason for everything. And he brought that young man into my life. Um, and, you know, it, it's changed my life. And, you know, now I have something where I have, a, a you know, this ring that one day I'll be able to sit down with my son. And tell my son all about everything that went into, you know, his father being gifted that ring, which will one day be his, right? And and that that means a lot, especially when your kid is, you know, enamored with some local weatherman. It's like, what's so good about that guy? I was on national TV. I got plagiarized by ESPN. I bet you that weather guy never got plagiarized. Like, <laughs> there's nothing great about him. So, um, it it was um, I'm still kind of not, you know processing everything you know it's a lot of talk now you're gonna but but to get it and then to see it and to hold it man that that was uh it was incredible man it, it uh it, it truly was incredible it's incredible to be acknowledged and and to be seen especially when, when you've gone through so much of life especially professionally underutilized and unseen and and, and underappreciated and valued uh for him to do that that was big well, I appreciate the Dwight stories. They were really great, man. Uh, we can't. I hope you didn't kill me for the gas station one. That oh. gas station one was great. 
But we can't end it on this sentimental note. We have to talk about why you're the king of basketball jeopardy. We we can't we we gotta hear Jared Rudolph talk some shit now. We gotta hear him talk. We we gotta get the other side of Jared out now because because that was all serious. That was all very, very good sentimental stuff. But I know who the real Jared is. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just a mix of, of, of both. I mean, look, man, I'm just filled with useless information and I can't tell you when it's all going to come out, you know, but it all comes out and I'm just as competitive as anybody else. So, you know, these Jeopardy games give me up. And, and then look, man, like when you're in these, uh, you know, we're in different times, so you don't really have a whole lot of, you know, opportunities to kind of interact with people in, in, in you know, grand scale. And, you know, uh, Zoom and video calls can be a bit impersonal. Uh, so to, to, you know, get there and have the opportunity to kind of have fun with everybody, you kind of get up with those things. It, it's cool because, uh, you know, you don't have that many opportunities. But what I can tell you about my trivia prowess is that I am filled with a lot of useless information that will seep out at, at different times of the day. I can't tell you how, when or where. I just know it's in there. That's fair. But we definitely split that one down the middle, Jay. I won. I won. I think she messed <laughs> up on the score. I wasn't, you know, next time I'll keep my own score. You know, I definitely was up, you know, a couple thousand points. I don't know what the hell scoring um, tally she was keeping. You know, I, I definitely should have, you know, been far out there. But, you know, a win is a win. Uh, but, it, you know, it should have been a wider margin. And I'm, I'm sure next time it will be. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Well, Jared, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on this week and filling in. Really, really enjoyed your your stories about Dwight and in general, NBA talk that that we were able to to discuss about the league and how to approach the coronavirus and in the in the G League opportunities and, and two way opportunities. It was a really good talk, man. So thanks so much for coming on. Remember, guys, we are a part of the Basketball News Podcast Network. We've got eight different podcasts for you to listen to. In addition to this one, Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin, the Postcast with James Posey, Dishing and Dimes with the Ladies. The rematch with Eton Thomas, the Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones, the Alex Kennedy podcast, the Sheridan Show, and of course the follow through with Clips and Drew. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating, comment, subscribe, give us any type of of interaction that you possibly can because we are starting this thing out still and are trying to grow our audience and and hopefully as the uh, weeks come by, that the uh, audience grows. So we love to talk basketball. We are very, very passionate about this stuff. Again, hated to see my co-host Brian Fritz out this week. We're thinking about you, buddy. Can't wait to get you back for the next episode. Until then, this is Spencer Davies saying goodbye for keeping it 94 episode four, and we will see you next time.